What's going on everybody? I'm Rambo and welcome to Echoes of New Eden, the only Eve Echoes podcast with news and current events. I'll talk about the latest game news, touch on some in-game shenanigans, and then we'll sit down with Sandman from OG. We discussed capitals and the current war, amongst other topics. Autopilot, engage. Alright, so no new game announcements, but we did get a pretty hefty patch note um, update. So going down the list, they'll have the maintenance as usual. So on the previous patch notes, this was posted on 9.28, the uh, Opportunity in Crisis, a new mode for faction war games, virtual test interference, um, is going to start about the event. Among the shipwrecks gathered during the wreckage collection event, there's a new technology for ships, capital ships. New Eden's four empires have agreed to let capsuleers test the capital ships in faction war games in order to calibrate and improve their power. During the event, the new faction war games mode virtual test interference is available at a fixed time every day. Also, the ship data test manual. So that's going from September 30th to October 21st. About that event, complete test manual missions come out on top in the virtual test interference and upgrade your manual level. When generous amounts of skill points, insurance points, lots of nanocore training materials, as well as the Metal B skin. When the event starts, the ship data test manual can be found on the event page. When the ship data manual reaches maximum experience, you will no longer be able to earn more experience by completing missions. Then they included the navigator schedule. That's going to go on from October 1st to October 31st. The last day to claim the skill points is December 2nd. During that event, purchasing the 499 AUR in total automatically makes you a participant. Lots of skill points awaits you. They had a couple optimizations. So the team matchmaking function is now available. Pilots can form war games and fleets of no more than four people and participate in random matchmaking. The fleet players will have a higher probability of being matched against stronger opponents. Friendly fire lock warning. So they incorporated that. It's a warning that will pop up when you lock onto your teammates in faction war games. And AFK penalties. I've already been hearing stories about these. The AFK penalties. Pilots who are away from keyboard during battles will not be able to participate in the faction war games matches for a period of time. Those who keep doing it will face longer suspensions, which will last up until the next game period as the longest. I did see one. I think somebody got seven hours for one. So the optimizations in this latest patch notes, they updated the prices based on successful transactions in the market like they do every week. A detailed rule is added to the insurance contract screen explaining the mechanics for generating the contract. Detailed numbers can be viewed by filtering the amount of stations and star charts. 
Closing the combat log detail screen will no longer close the corporation combat log. Oh, nice. The maximum number of visits to the marketplace per minute has been increased from 3 to 120. Nullsec systems can now have up to 1,500 people. Lowsec systems can now have up to 1,300 people, and that's cap. I did hear that there's a system that was still capped at 999, even though the cap was supposedly raised to 1,500. Anomaly message display from Pirate Detection Array will only be visible to members of the same corporation. Thank you. After fitting the module, fitting another will record the listed location of the last one. Corporation name and ticker, name reserved for the corporation pre-assembly event have been released. All players can freely use the previously reserved name. It is now allowed to trade ships that have been assembled in the corporation hangar with a contract. The source anomaly in the pirate detection will now be displayed directly on the overview. Now, when a gravity trap completes its countdown, it will require the outpost owner's manual confirmation to generate a Nihilus well instead of doing it automatically. So the mechanic behind that is you wait the seven day period you go into your outpost and you press the button to actually spawn the gate right there. And then you have to wait the 15 minutes for you to be able to access that. That's how that works. So basically, even after that seven days and you don't spawn it, it won't spawn. However, I don't know if that button press goes away or if it stays there basically forever up until you press it. So that's just something that we have to test out. A prompt will pop up every time you log in if you have pending contracts. There's a change, the safe log off feature so that players need to finish their process of entering warp before they can be disconnected. They added a combined option considering both ship type and standing in overview custom filtering. They added an option for players to open randomly dropped supply chests all at once when they're at the same type or stacked. In order to reduce stress on the server, the mining mission progress updates every 120 seconds now in the Concord Pass. So that was it for optimizations. Now for the bug fixes. They fixed an issue where insurance orders were integrated. They fixed an issue where insurance orders with integrated rigs were not compensated normally. They fixed an issue where some corporation flags had mismatched elements. They fixed an issue where several non-tradable items were dropped. They fixed an issue where containers from unanchored citadels weren't displayed in the overview. When customizing appearance using nanocores, only skins you have permanent access to can be selected. So that is it for the patch notes. It's pretty hefty, I know. Now for the official media, uh, let's see, today they released the ban notice, about 1,081 players got banned, and it appears to be abnormal anomaly behavior, nothing new there. It's nice to see that they're still on top of that though. They did have some Q&A uh, from last week, and uh, I mean a couple of them are interesting. So this one could be interesting. 
Can we get the ability to add a daily message that appears in Corp when our members log in? Would that be helpful to keep members informed of the daily operations and Corp needs or let users know on the Discord server access stuff like that? And they did take that suggestion. They've already been planning on some sort of function related to that, which allows you to view the chat history when logging back in. But the specific release is to be determined. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Otherwise, nothing in player support news and nothing in other announcements. So let's get on to some of the stuff that's going around New Eden. And yes, this war is pretty much what's going on in New Eden. Um, literally, just the SHH No versus Pangen War has been heating up. Multiple systems have been entosis linked by SHH and No, claiming territory within Pantheon space. There's video footage of all the battles that have been located. Um, there is video footage of all the battles, and they can be watched on Reddit and YouTube. I don't need to narrate them. Um, all the footage is there of all those takeovers and whatnot and the battles. Um, there have been wins and losses on both sides, and propaganda flying everywhere the memes have been great i have enjoyed the memes so i i must admit so we're literally waiting any day now for the announcement for the capitals as to when they will be implemented into the game then the race for capital production will be initiated i'll be excited to uh, see some of these kill mails that are going to be coming up within those capitals it's gonna be crazy so for upcoming shows listeners shoot me a direct message on discord of who you want to hear on the show it, odds are i may have contacted them in the past or i may not know of them so i'm open for any future guests and also for a sneak peek into next week we will be having the gulag gang so I'm interested to see how that will turn out. I'm not exactly sure how many from the Gulag gang will be able to attend. So we'll see. We'll see about that. And no, I haven't been doing the roundtable segments. Uh, just simply do not have time. Um, I've, I only had one day off of work this last week. So I had to allocate my time elsewhere. But I did get to sit down with Sandman. So we will check that out. Uh, hey everybody, uh, I'm I Sandman, and this is Echoes of New Eden. Sandman! <laughs> you know this song, right? Yep, definitely. Every time People I know she hop into our server with the music bot and uh, toss this in the channel with me all the time. Man, when when we're talking about doing an interview, I was like, I'm gonna play this song when <laughs> for the intro because it's a such a badass song. Every time I think about Sandman or think of Sandman, I think of this. It's like officially your intro song. Yeah, it's it's funny because I've got a Matt in a OG. She's always uh, playing the Cordettes Sandman. Nice. All right. 
cool. Sandman, well, welcome. Welcome to Echoes of New Eden. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks. How about yourself? I'm doing fine as well. And uh, yeah, this we had a freaking busy week this last week in New Eden. Jeez, all these wars and battles and shit getting taken over, citadels getting popped, all this stuff is going on. It's just insane right now. Yep. What a time to be alive in Echoes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, now, <laughs> how about this? How about this? The, uh, uh, shoot, I, I saw it somewhere where they're saying uh, t- the Turan Federation's going to come back, GHA is going to rise out of the ashes. <laughs> you know, like it's going to be circa 2020 of uh, Eve Echoes relatively soon. So, with all this stuff that's going oh, on. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah. Uh, so for the people that don't know you, uh, give a brief intro to yourself and, uh, yeah. Uh, yep. I'm, so I'm a Sandman. Typically just go by Sandman. I'm the executor over OG. Uh, so I've been with OG from, from the start. Uh, so yeah, happy to be here. I mean, I, I enjoy listening to uh, the other interviews and everything. So I thought that it could be fun to come in here and talk to you and see what kind of fun questions we could get into. <laughs> yeah. Fun topics, especially. Yeah, the uh, so I, I spoke with Anavera a few weeks ago, uh, probably closer to two months ago now, but that was right before, it was like a day or two before the end of the Southern War. Like, I dropped the episode, and the next day, the Southern War uh, was officially over. I'm like, oh, wow, I just got, I just finished talking about that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, and so that was a good interview too. I had a good time speaking to uh, Anavera. So, yep, she's always uh, you know been a a good uh, speaker for OG in the past when it comes to you know just kind of explaining our stance on some different things, it, which I don't even know if it's it's very well known at this point. I know that that uh, her name comes up quite a bit. Uh, she's been taking a break from the game for a few months now, so. Oh really? That's the reason why there hasn't been any. Yeah, that's why. That's why pretty much nobody's seen or heard anything from from her for a little bit. So yeah, she's been taking a little bit of a break. So we'll see if uh, we get her back sometime in the yeah. future. Yeah, for sure. So what's OG up to nowadays? What's what are they doing over there? Ah, uh, I mean a little bit of everything, right? Just like everybody else. Um, I'd say the the big thing right now is we've been we've been skirmishing a bit with C twenty two. Probably what a. Uh, the main thing that we've been doing at the moment. But other than that, I mean, just like everybody else, we're crabbing, getting ready for capitals. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that was the main things. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're surviving over there in the angel space, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, is that at least one thing about the fact that they've been normalizing or equalizing the economy a bit in the different regions. I mean, the, the value of the different NDSs in different regions has been, know stabilizing a bit more so angel space isn't as bad as it used to be but it's still not as good as as any of the others so we'll see if netties actually does that change of swapping one of the angel regions over to something else and you know i'm sure we'll get a little bit of positive impact from that yeah yeah surviving (laughs) well i tell you one thing that i don't miss about angel space are those mocks in the in the ds's that do like five thousand meters a second Oh man, yeah. You can't I mean, there were bugs like that in Sancha space too, but yeah, it's so bad, or it was so bad. 
I mean, nightmares and materials and stuff moving, you know, five, 10,000 MS had to catch him with the uh, interceptors and faction frigates yeah. and everything. Yeah. You had to have specific people tackle them or find some way to cheese them. So they, they come to you, right. Or they stop. They fixed it a lot sooner, but that was, they, they did that with nightmares and, and stuff over in Sanchez space. When, when we were over in MP5, we had to deal with that in the first uh, months of the game and, it was even harder because you couldn't just go and scram them. I mean, then again, you couldn't do that with materials either because there were no scrams. But I mean, yeah, it was just uh, it was definitely it was something. Yeah. Well, actually, I in in my time of the game, I have yet to face a an NPC nightmare. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I, I fought um, the mocks, and then now. I face the Gila's, the Dread Gila's, and the uh, Rattlesnakes. So, yep, yep. You know that's uh, it is what it is. The Gila's are a pain in the ass, but the snakes typically uh, they don't they're not as fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Gonna get you into some NDSs sometime. Track some down and hop into them. Yeah, try out yeah. some of the other uh, other factions. Other types. Isn't yep. it the Blood Raider? Isn't the Blood Raider like the toughest one I'm hearing? I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, none of them are too difficult for, for my fleet when I do my ratting stuff. But I've heard that Blood Raiders definitely harder for, for um, I guess, smaller fleets. Because I think that they, cause that's, uh, they do a lot of capturing and everything, right? So yeah, probably makes it a bit more difficult. Yeah. Well, you happen to be a notorious multi-boxer. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, I came from EVE Online originally, so anybody that's done a bit of industry or, or played EVE Online for a long time, I mean, you you pretty early on knew that it was going to be important to have multiple accounts in this, just like it is in EVE Online. So in the beginning of the game, I knew that I'd be able to use a handful of characters and everything. I had a computer that was strong enough to run them. So I figured squads were going to be, you know, 10 people large. So I figured I'd create my own squad so that I'd be able to, you know, have my own fleet to be able to do industry and everything else. So, uh, yeah, so I set up my, my multi-box setup that I guess has been seen around doing a couple different things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just the other day, I, I seen a uh, fleet of hounds all with a nan, uh, name sand miner i'm like hmm i wonder who that was <laughs> and it was like one yeah yep, that one was through eight yep i've i mean i've lost uh i've lost some some various ships on all the different characters and everything that's for sure i mean the hounds weren't nearly as big of a loss as the material fleet when i was playing around in k4 the other week but you know it's uh it's always fun nevertheless yeah sometimes it's successful sometimes it's not you have to you know the golden rule of Eve, don't fly what you can't afford to lose. It's like, don't risk it if uh, if you can't replace it. I mean, it goes goes for for everything. Yeah. No risk it, no biscuit, though. Yeah, well, true. It, it <laughs> definitely pays off. I mean, uh, I know we were talking about a little bit before the show the some of the different, you know, multi-boxing stuff that I'm, I'm running on it. But yeah, I have the, the coveter set up as well. So I do a lot of mining and everything to cover a lot of those costs and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, you got a Coveter fleet, you had the uh, Bomber fleet, you have a Tempest fleet, you got a Mockreal fleet. You got a fleet of everything. You can do everything. Yeah, a bit of everything. Yeah, so you've uh, you've camped K4 a couple times now, pretty much solo, right? You probably had some assistance, uh, but 
you've you've thrown a few fleets over at k4 huh yep yep definitely thrown a few fleets over there yeah i was gonna say definitely not solo every time every time with support but uh yeah definitely enjoy going over and doing a gate camp or or something every now and then i don't do a ton of pvp um in in echoes i should say that's all i did in eve online but <laughs> in echoes i'm i'm busy doing you know industry and and trying to do other things and and running oge so don't have as much time as i would like sometimes but gotta get out there with the guys and you know have a good time every once in a while so you know i'm there yeah. for all the strategic stuff for sure but or for most of the strategic stuff i should say um but you know for the for the fun rooms and gate camps yeah i gotta yeah, take a take it a little bit slower so I can get the other stuff done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at Alliance Executor, um, I'm surprised you have time to play. <laughs> uh, multitasking, you get you just got to get you know practice with it and everything. I mean, any anybody that's an Alliance exec that plays knows that. I mean, it's uh, it can be tough to balance that. So I think that it's important to be out there with the members of OG. I mean, we're in. Uh, We've created a really great community. Just, I'm really proud of the guys that we've got in there and everything. So I enjoy being able to actually fly with them and enjoy the fruits of the labor that we've all put in. It's, uh, you know, what's the point of the community if you're not a part of it? Yeah. Yeah. So you've camped K4 a number of times and you had a Tempest fleet there and you had a pretty strong response. I know we were talking about this before the show, but you had a pretty strong response. Um, from Pantheon, GenFed, or even C22 at K4 when you were there with your Tempest fleet? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd say probably, you know, it was 100 plus people for sure that showed up with their with their fleet to try and push me out and everything with the, with the Tempest. So again, not the most recent time with the Macarios, but with the Tempest fleet. Uh, yeah, and, and we all had a blast. I mean, it was so much fun for everybody that was involved. I mean, I did hold grid on that one, so killed about 20 people. Uh, before at 20 people over the course of about two hours so to give them credit is they did not give up without trying literally everything they were getting they were trying to get warp ins they were you know trying to burn and catch me off guard and everything it was it was honestly a one of the most fun fights that i've had in the game so far uh and and we all had gfs at the end of it like we kept it respectful and everything and we we kept it fun it was after the content collision war, so we were just trying to, you know, have casual PvP and everything. And yeah, then we packed up and left, and yeah, that was the end of it. <laughs> yeah, and I was trying to lean into toward that uh, that mock fleet. Yeah, tell us about that. I, this one I don't know about. <laughs> yeah, so actually, at the end of that last uh, the the first K four engagement, some of the guys that were in the fleet were joking around, and they're like, "Man." This was so effective. I wonder how effective this would be with Macarials. And uh, we were all just joking. And I'm like, it would be way more effective with Macarials, but it would be way more expensive. So that's not something that would happen anytime too soon. But eventually, it would be incredibly effective. So they said, when whenever I do eventually have the Macarial fleet set up, that I should bring it back out. So I told them that I would. And we ended up hyping it up quite a bit and, you know, had posted about it because it was just a fun PvP event. And, you know, just like the last time, figured, you know, we get a CTA fleet or a defense fleet or something over. We'd go and fight with them for a little bit. Uh but it did not go according to plan as well. I mean, of course, Pantheon Gen Fed, everybody had, you know, some pre-warning on it because we were very, 
transparent that, you know, it wasn't a part of the war that was starting to spin up or all the talks for SHH and, you know, uh, Pantheon and, and everything. So um, Pantheon and GenFed actually had a cruiser fleet that was already, I guess, formed up for something else, or maybe it was for that. I'm, I'm not sure. Whatever the case was, the perfect counter to that Macario fleet was a speedy, like, nano cruiser fleet. So they brought the perfect counter to it. And we had the intel that they were bringing it. Um, and it was just a matter of, did we want to take the engagement and just have fun with it and see what happens, knowing that it was a, a big risk? And I figured, you know, I wasn't going to take the fleet out there without being prepared to lose it. Like I, I said before, is I'll never undock if I'm not prepared to lose it. And I can't smile if I do. And um, yeah, so we took the fight and it went kind of as expected when you have 80 cruisers or however many <laughs> ruptures and all that are, are swarming you. But I took some out with me, so I did not go down without a fight. And again, GFs were had and. I vowed to come back for K4 round three in the future. Nice. So it was it was fun though. This time a fleet of yeah. nightmares. So it's one to one. It's one to one. For uh I won the first one. We'll say that K4 and the defenders of K4 won the second one. But I'm coming back and I'm winning round three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, K4 just happens to be one of them little hot spots down there. And uh yep. I wanna say dead. Claims that they own it, but yet GenFed has a Citadel there or somewhere around there. Is K4 low sec or is it null sec? No, K4 is null sec. Okay. And I don't know if it still belongs to them or not. I don't, I, with all the war stuff that's been going on in the North, I, I heard that they were targeting it and that they were trying to switch it over and that I thought that they had in toast just a couple Citadels. I didn't know if K4 was one of them or not. But. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't know about K4. I'd have to look at the star charts. Uh, but yeah, that it's just so yeah, happens it's a to be hot a, spot for sure. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Yeah, but the, in this new war, I wanted to talk to you about this too because this is only a week and a half old. Maybe, maybe closer to. No, it's about a week and a half old. So, what are your thoughts on this war that's going on between the North and the South right now? I mean, I think it was inevitable that it was going to happen. I mean, it seemed like things were escalating for a while, but I mean. I think that it was the most, I mean, it made sense. I, I'll say that it wasn't surprising when SHH and Pantheon started fighting in the war. I mean, who else are they going to fight? I mean, they already defeated Content Coalition in the groups in the East. So it's not like, unless, you know, miraculously we we were able to get everybody allied back together. And then it's like, okay, so you're going to come out of defeat and fight again? That That wouldn't make any sense. So... I think it was just a matter of time, unless Pantheon, GenFed, C22, any of them seemed like there was any chance that they'd fight each other, then, and that's, that's you know, obviously that wouldn't be the case, then eventually they were bound to fight SHH. It was just how long until that happened. Yeah, that seemed to be a lot of the talks, is it was bound to happen, but nobody knew when, and even then, it happened sooner than what people were foreseeing because <laughs> they were going to say everybody yep. was going to wait till capitals came out but we're still a couple weeks out from capitals maybe maybe a couple weeks i don't know for a fact that they're coming out next week but they're supposed to be coming out this month we just don't know when but anyway 
the war started before capitals released so that was kind of a, a shock. i think that was intentional that was intentional i think from both sides i mean everybody everybody at that level knows that that would be a reason to to fight prior to capitals i mean i think that it was gen fed that said something first uh, allegedly <laughs> so allegedly there was a ping that that GenFed had sent out saying like a vote to see like should we attack people prior to capitals to I don't know knock them down a peg before capitals come out or, or try and put them off ground so that they don't attack them I'm not sure the reasoning behind it um, but I think that it's something that was on a lot of alliances minds of you know once capitals come out you know what's it look like what is um, how does the game change and everything. And I think that SHH and everybody, I mean, I, I don't think that it's any surprise that Pantheon, GenFed, and C22 have the largest economy out of any collective group in the game. Like we had talked about a little bit earlier, I mean, they're dark blue with each other, so coalition, um, assisting each other on offense and defense and everything, um, they have a collective economy on a lot of that. So the amount of capitals that are going to be produced within that group, if if they're just producing and producing is potentially massive so i think that that's um that's a reason to try and fight prior to it or to try and disrupt that on any side and that's what i think gen fed was saying and should we attack other people too is they were thinking the same thing i think shh just you know got the drop on them yeah quite possible and then uh yeah we, we we don't know what we don't know what's needed to build these capital ships though so i i don't know if anybody can really give an estimate as to how many capitals that they can build. I think people have I mean, gotten, people have pulled numbers from EVE Online and said, yeah, this is roughly what we're seeing, you know, but we don't know what's what it costs to make them yet. I would think that there, there are estimates or ideas of what those requirements are going to be that are being floated around. And I've seen what some of the estimates are, and I think that they're pretty accurate for for what it's what they're going to cost from ever, from what I've been seeing. And it's just based on like freighter costs and things like that, and just from information that either Netties has put out or or anything that they've been able to find out from test server stuff, whatever. Um, but in general, it seems like the big. Uh, delay or thing that's going to make it take a while for people to proliferate these things is the ISK part of it. I mean, I think Benzi said that in one of his videos this last week, too, was that it's going to, like, people, there's not enough ISK to build these things. They're going to cost, like, 10 to 15 billion ISK uh, just in fees to be able to put one in the oven. So when you're, when you're talking about that high of cost, even a group like pantheon and gen fed and c22 they could have incredibly deep pockets they don't have that deep of pockets that's the that's the type of cost where you have to have individual wealthy members to be able to get into those and then you i'm sure they can produce a handful of them that they'll use with their fleet and everything it's just not going to be on a uh, super massive scale right it'll happen over time for sure but yeah the isk is going to slow things down for sure What's a what's a rough number? I just want to see if it compares to what I think. For all in cost on one of them? Yeah. I mean with five five here, let me see what the estimate was. I, I I'll pull it up, but I want to say that it's gonna be roughly a twenty bill or something to make one with uh with decent skills, with half of that being in fees. 
Wow. So it's going to be 20 to uh, probably between 20 and 30 bill would be a very safe estimate with about half being in ISC fees. The mineral requirements on it, if it's what is expected, is actually much lower than people would think. There's not going to be a bottleneck of minerals. It's going to be a bottleneck of ISC. And I'm curious to see what happens with the market when that plays out. Because if all the industry whales and people that have tons of minerals that don't have the um, proportion and amount of ISK to build those into, they're going to have excessive minerals that they're going to want to turn into ISK so they can build more dreads and people are going to start offloading all those minerals and everything. As, at least that's what I think. Because, I mean, I know how much ISK a lot of industry players have in OG, and I know how much minerals they have, and they don't have the ISK required I mean, to make as much as they have the minerals for, if that makes sense. Yeah. I seen a, uh, a screenshot earlier. Uh, capital something or other was a 50 burger. 50 bees. <laughs> yeah. For, for, for a, single, a single ship, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, if that I think that if, included like that estimate would probably be with zero skills. I mean, maybe with zero skills it would be that high. I don't think that they're going to be that high. No, I don't. And I don't regardless so of the cost, is I, I think it's going to be like half in fees. And that's just depending on how much they put in fees. It, it honestly doesn't matter how much they they cost. The thing that matters is how much in ISK it costs to build them, because that's that's the rate at which we're going to get them into the game, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take the trillionaires to get those things pumping, huh? I only know one trillionaire <laughs> in the game. Yep. Well, I mean, it's not even that. It's that, you know, the trillionaires can make it, but who can buy them? It's like, how many people do you know that are sitting there with 30 to 40 billion liquid isk? Or, or even if it is the low end and it's, you know, 25 billion, it's they're definitely out there. I, I know them. I, 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 you know, they're they're definitely there, but it's not a, a crazy staggering amount. And when you have the resources and the capital and everything to build them, unless you're just handing them out, you're waiting on people to be able to afford that. Yeah, they're they're going to be insane when they drop. That's all I got to say. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, it's going to be a ton of fun, I think. There, it's, I mean, the race that we saw for faction battleships when people started getting into those and everything, I think it's going to be similar to this. Is like People are just going to, you know, they're going to want to grind them out and everything. And they're, <laughs> I think that we'll get a lot of activity back in the game from people excited about just another goal to accomplish. Yeah. Well, I guess that was a thing back in... Eve Online is people f play the game for capital warfare where they sit in that ship because I think certain capitals like you have to literally sit in it 24 seven. You can't dock it or anything. And um, that's the old mechanic for it. But yeah, that used to be a thing. That was a thing for super capitals for things that oh, were yeah. too big because they didn't have uh, outposts to be able to dock in. But I can't remember the year, but I mean, it's been changed for a while where they can dock up in keep stars and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. You have to you either had to sit in them in pauses or whatever. Yeah. Like you couldn't you couldn't. I mean, you could leave them. It's just they were literally out in space. So you had to have them in a secure pause or something like yeah. that. Well, actually, I think uh, one of my previous members in my corp, he was texting one of my public channels. Um, shout out to Nix if he's a listener of the show. But he, he was saying, yeah, everybody's waiting for these capitals and basically everything else becomes tackle, <laughs> even battleships. 
battleships become tackle when capitals are on the field? I don't think that that's going to be the case, no? but it could be if they implement them. Yeah, if they implement them, in my opinion, incorrectly, that would be the case. But that's if they implemented them with guns that are from EO, what were referred to as haul guns or high angle weapons. So they were basically your battleship platform large weapons, but just significantly higher DPS that you could fit onto a dread. So it was like a super battleship, basically. But if they were to implement that in Echoes, I think it would be the wrong move because that, like you said, it would just be throw them on grid and everything else is tackle. That's boring. I'm <laughs> hoping that they implement them and that it is with a capital size guns. And that's what it looks like they're going to do. And once they implement it with capital size guns, then they can pretty they have pretty much low enough tracking, especially in siege mode, that they're only going to be able to hit other capitals or outposts and things. So you use them to counter other capitals, and it's a form of escalation as opposed to like the normal escalation for any fight. So that's how I think that they're going to be done, if that I think would be healthy, but we'll see. <laughs> I mean, nobody knows. I guess you could probably scram somebody, web them enough, throw enough target painters on them, and maybe you'll be able to hit them if you're not in siege mode or something, right. or in siege mode. We're just not going to know until they get dropped and we can test it. Yeah. Have you been flying them in the uh, faction war games? Oh no, I haven't. <laughs> I should. I should hop in and test them out and everything. I usually just wait for things to just drop on the regular server and then jump in and and start theory crafting and everything. But yeah, faction warfare would be a good way to. I've got a lot of guys that hop into those and play around with them, and they'll give me their thoughts and opinions and everything on it and. You know, we've got yeah. a lot of great pilots and a lot of great theory crafters. So <laughs> luckily yeah. they can help me with those things. <laughs> yeah. And I have a few pilots too in my corp that do the faction war games and they're doing that um, with the, the capital ships that are implemented right now. And they're, you know, posting screenshots and stuff like that. I'm like, wow, what was that? Like plus 700% damage siege mode, something like that. Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Then check out the tracking. I mean, you've seen it with oh, strikes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just going to be like strikes, but way worse. I mean, the tracking is going to be so low. And I don't think that you'll be able to hit stuff. And strikes, strike cannons in general are just painful to watch. <laughs> I hate them so much compared to auto cannons, man. Just, yeah, it just yep. seems like it takes forever to do anything. I mean, I, I had a mock with strikes and you sit at 120 and you just snipe everything. But the 12, 13 second cycle that it had, the activation time on it was just boring. I would rather go and just sit there and brawl uh, with autocannons and just watch everything just get decimated around you. Yep, yep, I agree. I mean, I think that that they can be very effective, strikes that is, but I, I, I think autocannons are much more fun too. I mean, who doesn't like a good up close brawl and pumping out more dps yeah <laughs> and even then it's like with the drone boats because i i have dominics too and you sit back at you know 80 plus and you just watch the drones kill everything i it's mm -hmm. i i tried it for a while and basically scrapped the ship and now it collects dusts and uh i use a maelstrom for everything but man that was just boring i was falling asleep yeah yep yeah uh, so yeah the so this war 
to get back onto that subject so this war um who knows how long it's gonna be people are saying i think somebody even predicted it's gonna last a month <laughs> i'm like well i don't know about that and some people that's wishful thinking and others are saying that it's gonna last up to toward a year so who knows yeah i mean i think it just depends on I mean, it depends on a lot. Yeah, I think I personally think it's going to last a while. I don't see it ending soon. I mean, I would if somebody thinks that it's going to ask or end soon, I'd be curious based on what, because with the size of Pantheon and GenFed and everything, how long they've been able to have as much power as they've had, they're going to do everything they can to hold on to that. So I think that it makes sense that they're not going to give in easily. I mean, they've got a lot of dedicated people that have spent, you know, a year over there building it up. I, I don't think that they're um, they're going to crumble as quickly as some of the other groups that you know, weren't weren't together for as long as they've been. But I could be proven wrong, too. I don't know. Maybe it will be only a month. I just think it's going to last a, a while. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to last a while, too. But I, I don't know if it's going to be to the length of the Firefly Firefly War or to the length of the Southern War, or to the length of the GHA versus NSF. <laughs> well, it's already uh, it's already surpassed that, but yeah, we'll see. And uh, with capitals dropping, that'll be interesting as to see how that comes about. But you guys are what, what's what's the OG situation currently? Is there some hits against Catch Twenty Two happening? What's going on with Catch Twenty Two? Uh, yeah. So I mean. Basically, after after Content Coalition, that war and everything ended and Content Coalition split apart, everybody, for the most part, did a bit of a standings reset because everybody was trying to go back and rebuild and everything. So, you know, our our blue color, as, as you know, I said, it went probably from more of a very blue to a light blue with most people. And that's the way that most groups in the East went. Uh, so we were still neighbors, so we didn't want to just start warring with each other after another war, and we were keeping Diplo up. But it was a different type of, you know, relationship, I guess. Well, we all kind of focused on that rebuild. And um, after the war, you know, we got out of it and everything. Uh, we were the first to leave Content Coalition. We got warred on for a little bit after that from Pantheon and GenFed and everybody. Uh, and then we kind of stopped i mean the pvp kind of slowed down and everything and we were able to reset our standings more and have a neutral stance with uh with other coalitions and everything so um the war for us ended um unfortunately for acr who rebranded to scg uh, the war continued for quite a while uh, they were getting roamed and hit by GenFed and C22 and everything very frequently they lost a ton of citadels and a ton of members um, because it was really uh, the big coalition versus them, and they didn't have their allies and, and everybody else because we did, you know, content coalition failed. We we definitely lost that war, and they just kind of took a bit more of the hit because they were on the front lines. And after a while, um, they were able to work out a deal with Pantheon and GenFed as well, and they ended up having a formal NIP and working out a deal and i'll say that this is from my understanding of the situation this isn't based on any formal talks that i've been in with uh with GenFed or pantheon or even scg or anything it's just 
basically things that, you know, people have told me that seem to be confirmed from the conversations that I've had. Um, but so basically, uh, C22, apparently after this NIP was put in place, uh, within about a day of that NIP with SCG, C22 actually dropped a Citadel inside of space that Pantheon, GenFed, everybody agreed was SCG space. It was in Tenerife, which has always been SCG space. It's never been contested. Um, and they just immediately dropped in it. And when SCG reached out to C22, I mean, they just had a nip with this coalition. The war was supposed to have ended and everything. They reached out and and basically laughed in SCG's face. And very rudely, this part I have seen the conversation for and everything, they were very rude to SCG and in essence said, good luck taking it back. It's your own fault for not utilizing the space because the system that they dropped a Citadel in was one of the best systems in Tenerife. So it was like a negative nine system or something. And it was close to C-22 space. So I think that they just saw an opportunity. They saw that SCG was beaten down from the war and that if they went in and took this thing, that SCG would have no recourse. And that's exactly what happened. So SCG last week, you know, being the remnants of what it was before, and they're still a large group, don't get me wrong. They're a great, they're a great group and everything, but they're not as large as they used to be. They went back and they started hitting that Citadel, uh, the C-22 Citadel, and uh, they put it into the whole timer. I mean, it's in their space. It makes sense that they're hitting this Citadel. Um, well, they showed up to the whole timer expecting to fight C-22 over this over the Citadel. And Pantheon and GenFed both showed up. And this is Pantheon and GenFed, who had an active NIP with SCG. They showed up, and it wasn't to assist SCG, obviously, because this Citadel was breaking the NIP. They told SCG that they weren't allowed to blow up the Citadel. So at that point, they were there to back up C-22 in their invasion into SCG. But like I said, SCG, I mean, they're a Chinese group too, so they primarily use WeChat. We hadn't had, they didn't have a bunch of communication with the other alliances in the East. I mean, they'd only been out of the war for like two weeks. They didn't have time to focus on anything else when all this stuff started unfolding. And um, OG actually just happened across this C-22 Citadel in Tenerife, and we're like, why, why the hell is this Citadel here? This is SCG space. So we actually reached out to SCG and we're like, what is C-22 doing in your space? And that's when all of this came out and they just explained it. They weren't asking for help. They weren't, you know, they, they were just explaining me. They're just like, you know, it's been tough after the content coalition war. We've been, you know, laughed at and kind of kicked while we're down and everything. And we've got no recourse at this point because Pantheon and GenFed are showing up to assist C-22 taking their space they didn't really have anything else that they could do. So we were kind of just observing the situation. We're like, I wonder if this is something that we should get involved with. These, they're still our allies. This is obviously messed up that this is happening to them. Um, and then coincidentally, you know, that like you said before, the timing of the war in the North, it happened a lot quicker. It happened at a really opportune time for us because everybody was distracted up in the North and, uh, because of that distraction, you know, OG kind of looked at it and we're like, you know what, this is a wrong that was done to SCG. Let's go and help them, you know, take the fight back to, to C-22, basically, and push them out of SCG space and show them that, 
you know, you're not always going to be able to, you know, use the force of your coalition to just like push down the little guy. And, and that's basically what we had kind of gone out there to start doing. And we're still doing it now. I mean, there's been no apology or anything from C22. The only reason that they're not still trying to invade SCG, in my opinion, is because they don't have the support of Pantheon and GenFed because of everything in the North. So, you know, we're hitting them for that. They <laughs> they made some mistakes and now they're they're paying for that. So I know that was a bit long winded and everything. Sorry, that was. A <laughs> oh, no, that's you're you're educating me on that situation. I think it's um, kind of a slap in the face for SCG. Right. I said it right. SCG. Yep. Yep. SCG. I mean, after a nip has been placed, SCG yep, and technically the nip Tenefaris. wasn't with C22. So I do want to make that clear. The nip, from my understanding, intentionally, either it, and maybe this is just perspective, but it doesn't seem like it included C22. So when you had said before, like, oh yeah, when everybody's talking about Pantheon and GenFed and C22, I mean, they're in this coalition together and everything. People look at them as like a unified force a lot of times. Right. So how do you leave one group out of that nip, only do it with Pantheon and GenFed, and then the other group in that threesome in that trio immediately invades the group that just had that NIP? I mean, if that's not acting in, in bad faith, I mean, I, I would have expected something to be done to rectify that before we got involved and started hitting C22 back. And, you know, it's it's just a little too late sometimes. It's like, okay, of course we're going to hit them and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, it's our bad that we put this here and that we were invading in and everything. But it's like, yes, that's you're apologizing and not happy with the situation now because, you know, it's escalated to this because of those those you know, ill deeds, basically. And laughing at SCG and that part was the nail in the coffin for the situation as far as we go, because in an official, like in official channels and stuff, it's like there's a there's an expected level of professionalism, in my opinion. And, you know, when you're doing Diplo with somebody, I, I think that it's it's good to be friendly in those types of situations, not, you know, poke somebody or kick them all they're down. Right. Yeah. Kicking them while they're down, that's pretty dirty. You know, and, and I, I've i flown with a few of those pilots over there, too, and defended their stuff back in the day. You know, they're they're good people. And if, uh, I mean, a space invasion, especially if they claim a territory, I mean, kind of sucks. You know, it is, it is a slap in the face. And it, at the same time, too, when that, when that Citadel was in the timer, or the whole timer, the... the C-22 had the allies come and help defend it as well. Yep. Um, it's like, if anything, that is not the action of, like, oh, we're sorry that we just broke this NIP. It's like, okay, so you had the resources, you had the availability and everything, you had the opportunity to make the situation right, and when all the cards are stacked in you being able to make the decision, what's the decision that you make? Because that's the decision that you would really need to stand by. When you're in a bad position, it's really easy to, you know, make that decision that, oh yeah, we're not going to assist them because we're in a tough position. But that's not what happened. They could assist them and they did. Now they're not in a as good of a position to assist them and they didn't when we came and assisted SCG. So it's like something changed over the course of the week and the only thing that we saw change was the war in the North. Is that Citadel still up? 
Uh, C-22s, no. We destroyed it on Thursday, along with all the passes in that constellation. And we are actually actively hitting C-22 citadels inside of their space right now. I've, we've, got a, we've got a fleet up hitting them at the moment. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's current. That's on... Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. what was... Yes, I mean, we took it seriously, and yeah. Yeah, now they're, I guess, paying for it. Does SCG uh, have any involvement in that as well, or is it just primarily OG? Oh, no, they helped kill the Citadel on Thursday and reinforce the bosses and everything. I mean, it was definitely an invasion into their space that they didn't uh, appreciate. And at, from everything that I have seen, again, a, a lot of this is it's difficult sometimes with uh, some of the Chinese groups and stuff because uh, WeChat and everything just makes it complicated to do Diplo sometimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, they assisted in destroying the Citadel. We've pushed out the bosses and everything. And they're not actively or haven't been looking to get involved in any other wars and stuff. So they actually haven't been assisting on the offensive that we've been doing. Um, but ironically, S, um, sorry, C-22's been retaliating against SCG and Void, who Void hasn't been involved with any of it. But I know that C-22's roamed into OG space a couple times. And, you know, we, we've enjoyed fighting them whenever they've, they've roamed in. Um, but for some reason, they're hitting our allies who are not attacking them right now. So I'm, I'm kind of over here like that's a really odd thing to do, because if there was anything that was going to push people into wanting to attack you, it's randomly attacking them. And I mean, they're hitting like structures and stuff that they weren't doing before. So I'm not really sure what this what the play is there but <laughs> we're yeah. going to continue hitting c22 and hopefully they keep on hitting our allies because that means we'll probably have uh more backup on hitting them in the future if it keeps up <laughs> yeah their intel ring seems to be a bit messed up yeah i mean i i saw a post that they um had said like they had included void in the attack on them when we killed the citadel on thursday and Void was very explicitly clear that they were not wanting to get involved in anything at the moment. So we we they were not invited at all. I mean, they they didn't have any involvement in it. They declined. <laughs> I mean, they had agreements and friendly stuff. I think with uh, with that group, so they they didn't feel comfortable with it or, or something along that. I, I'd let them talk that, but yeah, they weren't even there, and they're getting hit over it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But hey, maybe me saying it on here, somebody from C22 will hear that and they'll correct it and either stop hitting them if it's if it's a mistake, <laughs> because I don't think it's a good idea, um, or you know they'll double down and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I got a pe I got a few people on uh, from C22. I might uh, I I could ping them to see if they wanted to join in to maybe clear some things up. <laughs> totally up to you. <laughs> We haven't uh, we haven't had too many conversations with C twenty two since we've started fighting them because at least our stance right now is you know we've got the information that we need to take the fight that we're currently taking and you know like I said is is once the once the conversation took the turn that it did in their conversation with SCG and it ended the way that they did um, it's going to take a little bit more fighting before I think that we're at least going to be open to discussion on ending it. So what that means is time will tell, but 
yeah, there's there's more than a citadel in price to be paid for uh, the way that they treated our allies and everything regarding that citadel. Right. And I decided against pinging some members to come in here. I didn't want it to be- become a Diplo room. You guys are handling Diplo, oh, yeah. you know. You you guys do you. I, I don't want to interfere with that. So. Oh yeah, that that would probably that's a probably a good call. It probably would turn into a, a Diplo thing. Yeah. Well, so anyway, it sounds like you're going to be busy uh, for a little bit at least. And uh, you know, we I'm going to say it again. We got capitals coming, but what are, what are your expectations of the future? Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think capitals are going to be great. I mean, it's really interesting to see the way that um, structures and everything have played out in the way that you can level them up to level two. I think that a lot of the expectation was, you know, oh, they're invulnerable. That makes everybody super safe. And lo and behold, you can, you know, entosis them and then downgrade them. And then it's even worse because if you want to take it back, it's nope, you get to blow it up if you want to take that space back. So, I mean, that's a... It's an interesting turn of events for structures. So I think with that, capitals are going to play a huge role because you know, Sov Warfare isn't dead like a lot of people thought that it was going to be with level two citadels. So, you know, you can actually profit off of it technically now. So mm-hmm. you go and take somebody's citadel and downgrade it and get components. As as far as I'm hearing, that's the way that it uh, that it works. So if you're able to take those components and extract them, then... capital warfare and hitting those citadels and taking them i think could be a pretty cool way of transferring or taking resources amongst some of the larger groups if some of these wars start lasting a little bit longer yeah yeah uh so there there's been a a rumor going around it's not a bad rumor or anything but uh attrition what do you think the ongoing war is or will be on player attrition i mean i think that it depends on which side you're looking at and i think that that's the way that it goes in every one of these wars i mean i think that if you're on the winning side of the war and it's a war that's going well and there's a lot of people involved that that attracts more people back to it to get more involved when you're on that winning momentum people are more inclined to play more like when when we are getting op successes on our strategic things um, we get more turnout for the following events after successful operations. So, I mean, it's just that morale boost. And if you're on the losing side, then it's a lot of times in the future ops, you get less turnout. So there's more attrition. So it's, you know, can one side have more of those wins and be, you know, have less attrition? And then as far as like overall game attrition, I think that you know, we've been seeing that across the board. I mean, just the size of the CTA engagements and the fights between different major groups, they're a lot smaller in different compositions than they used to be. So we, when we go over and hit C-22, we don't see the fleets that we used to see, and we don't bring the numbers that we used to bring over there either. So yeah, I think it's definitely felt across the game, um, for sure. I think you can even categorize it even more, you know, between PvP players, PvE players, even industry players. Um, mm-hmm. The attrition at that level, because people, the PvP players, of course, are loving it, because that's what they play this game for. But the PvE players, and maybe the industrial players, they're taking more of the hit. 
as to, oh, crap, another war that means I can't mine as much or, you know, just they, they can't be as comfortable as it would be, say, not in a war. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and then, they, they, then they have to dock up and then fleet up and all that. But PvP players are like, sweet, when do we go in? Let's go. Let's do it. When's the next stop? Where do I stage? Yep. I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a circle or it's a cycle. Because, I mean, you're going to have that where there's those ebbs and flows in each one of those parts of the game. Because, I mean, like you said, is when there's a lot of war, then you've got more PvP players and everything. Maybe you get a downtick in industry and PvE because there's more roams and people get burnt out and everything. So, I mean, a PvE pilot's going to get probably burnt out from PvP a lot quicker than somebody who actually enjoys the PvP. So... Um, I think that you'd see that in a wartime, but what that would do is the side that's losing the war, that attrition side from, you know, a group is they probably do lose a lot of PVE players and that influences who the winner of the war is. And then once it gets bad enough and that attrition is high enough for a lot of those players, then, you know, that side loses. And once that side loses, then, hey, you know, war's over and you get PvE pilots back into the game and there's a reprieve and there's this, you know, pendulum swing where there's this big push for PvE in those groups. And, you know, people come back to the game and everything. I think that a lot of people say how bad it is that all these wars start and that all these things. I think that, you know, that there's those cycles and that it's a it's a good thing because it keeps things interesting. If you had just one of everything it would get boring very fast. If all it was was PvP, we'd have attrition, and that attrition, it would never come back. And same with PvE. If it was only a PvE game, you'd have attrition on the PvP side that would never come back. But the fact that it happens in that cycle of these wars causing it, I think that that makes it so that you have people that do leave or take breaks, and then they come back, and yeah. Yeah. I think it keeps the game healthy. It's a sandbox, so... You know, everybody can do their own thing, but everybody's still in the same sandbox. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was just thinking about it. Um, a, a solely PvP game is uh, Call of Duty. Right. You uh, Take the campaign yeah. away. It's a PvP game. Everything multiplier with other people is PvP. Now, I used to play that game for, I don't know, through the generations of the games. I've probably played 10 years. 10 years of Call of mm-hmm. Duty through all the games just solely pvp like now i don't play it like at all <laughs> it's just so sick of it mm-hmm. yep. um, and actually i literally i played it earlier because i was trying the mobile version but that yeah and you know you, people will get a break people will pvp on this game and then they'll take a break and then they'll come back and say okay hey what's changed new mechanics uh new mm-hmm. war you know some people are just logging in and the system that they previously owned is owned by a different corporation or a different alliance or their corporation moved across a galaxy and they're just logging in and all their stuff is still at the old system. Uh, yep. So that there are people coming back and maybe it's not as many people as uh, the people that are quitting though. So, I mean, that's kind of sad. Nobody, nobody wants the uh, community to get smaller, if anything. Yeah, and I'm hoping that we get to a point where that tapers off too, because I think that you had a big, there was a lot of excitement and a big push when the game first came out. And how long does anybody stick with any game? It it depends on the person. So 
You know, if we can if we could get new players into the game and foster them to enjoy it and build them up and everything too to enjoy all these different aspects, then hopefully when we do have those people that do leave and don't come back, that that there are people coming back in. So I actually think it's a good thing that NetEase is putting some focus on the new player experience and some of those things that they've struggled with in, in EVE Online. And um, I think that, that it's a good thing for them to keep an eye on because long term is, yeah, it's not sustainable if we just continue to lose people and we don't get enough back. But I mean, I, I think we've been seeing a big resurgence of people. I don't know how it's looking for other people, but like I said, I think that depending on the side that you're on and what you're involved with, that that that'll bring people back. I've seen tons of people come back into the game and other groups because of the fact that this war started off and they've been wanting to be able to get in and, and right. shoot at some of the other sides, whether yeah. it be, you know, oh, I've always wanted to shoot GenFed and Pantheon and this looks like a real war or from the Pantheon side, it's like, oh, we never really liked those SHH guys over there protecting Honk and stuff. Let's go and take them out. It's like they're finally getting to fight and there's been a lot of pent up you know, aggression building over time. So I think that that's that's drawing a lot of people in too. So it's yeah, not just people beefs. leaving. Yeah. 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 Previous grudges, previous beefs, uh, previous wars, you know, all that stuff comes toward it. You know, I heard um, yep. Bo came back from Odin. I wonder if he listens oh, wait, to this. Who is show. that? Sorry, cut out there. Bo. Bo Jangles. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Well, yeah, that, that's why the, okay. the rumors floating around that GHA is going to rise again. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> and Evil Darkness is still around, so he's going to kill it again. So. Oh, ED. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I kid. I kid about that. But um, yeah, so with the, the next month, two months, six months could be interesting. We'll we'll see it on both sides, wins and losses. I don't think we've really seen any battles over six hundred just yet. Um, still pretty new of a war, so I don't think like main systems have been taken yet. You know, people rallying to get to these huge uh, tie dye type battles. We we just haven't seen those yet. But who knows? They may come down the line. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think eventually we should get some. I mean, see how the war goes and everything. I mean, eventually, if they do make it to some of these major timers, or in the in that scenario where if SHH is winning and pushing Citadels, eventually they're going to get to some more um, easier to defend ones that that they'll get some bigger battles at. I'm sure. I mean, they're still fighting in Fountain. I mean, that's that's still a trek for all of Pantheon and their allies to go. So you can't expect that you're going to get the full force of things out there. But um, even when you have forward staging, I mean, you you only ever get a fraction of your people that want to go to forward staging. If they do start fighting in uh, um, like staging delve, I think that we I wouldn't be surprised if we got some fights that were over 600 again. Yeah. And heck, we haven't even mentioned no. No is a big part of this war. Oh, huge. Yeah. They were yeah, at they're, war they're a huge with Panth- They were at war with Pantheon before SHH even came in. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I mean, there there's that, you know. So does it seem like Pantheon's kind of getting hit at all fronts, or is Pan Gen C twenty two getting hit from all fronts at this point? 
Yeah, I think that that's a fair statement. And I think that, again, I think that it's not a bad thing for the game for fighting to be happening in all these different fronts because, like, when you, again, I think part of it is when you look at the percentage of either people or whatever the numbers that were floated around before is, Pantheon, GenFed, and C22 have have or had roughly 50% of the game. They've got, like, 50% of the structure, so who knows how how that actually is in, in members now. But if you've got 50% of the player base per se or space, then if SHH is attacking you and they're 25% of the game or whatever, 30%, whatever you want to estimate, um, you're going to bring all of your allies to that. So bring that 50% into it to assist and you've got the numbers then. So I think that SHH really needed no to assist on stuff too because without them either working together or having the same objectives on uh hitting them it, they would one or the other would just get overwhelmed so i mean that's been huge and then honestly yeah us taking the fight with c22 is it's a opportunistic time because you know they're they're core allies that assisted them in breaking that nip in Tenerifis are tied up now so we can actually fight them without us getting the 50% to focus all their attention on us so that we can make that situation right. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty even right now, honestly. <laughs> yeah, the entire game. And as far as numbers, not in wins. I mean, I think that I I think that they've been losing pretty hard from what I've been seeing in a lot of the fights. I've seen some wins from them and there's been some amazing fights and everything. And maybe just the Reddit posting hasn't been as crazy as it was from the last wars, but I've I've seen um it, it looks like it's been an uphill fight for Pantheon from what I've seen so far. Yeah, well, we'll just have to see uh, how that unfolds. So basically, the entire galaxy is under war, with the exception of Void. Could you agree to that? <laughs> um. Yeah, I'd say in, in some way or another, yeah. I think that everybody has at least either involved with some war or some fighting for some type of war around the game um, in the past week. And we'll, we'll see, other than, other than Void, I would say that that's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, heck, we hit on quite a few topics. Uh, if there's anything else you wanted to, to touch on before we go to the shout-outs. Um, no, I mean, I think, um, you know, I gave a lot of my opinions on things and everything here, but as far as my opinions go, I think it's fantastic from all sides. I mean, I think it's great to see the turnout that GenFed, Pantheon, SHH, No, and all those fights. Uh, I, I just think that it's great that we still have so many people in the community that are coming out and fighting in those. And I just like the good fights at the end of it. Like, that's been OG's and one of our new mottos at the end of any of our fights is making sure which a lot of groups do, but we take it very seriously to try and, you know, good fight and keep things positive. Um, cause we want to, we want to carry that out in the community, have fun doing this. It's like, even if you lose, it doesn't have to be, a, you know, it's horrible experience. You know, you, you lost, but you can fight the next time and maybe you'll win that time. And it looks like a lot of people have been having fun with the war on both sides. And I hope we continue to see that. Yeah, for sure. Plus, it gives me something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, man. So you got any shout outs? Um, I mean, yeah, there's definitely I mean, I've got some people in OG that are fantastic that have 
kept the wheels on the bus turning for this is we'd have fallen apart a long time ago if it weren't for you know Zeroff and and Jarhead for PvP guys and everything and you know there we've got some we've got some great people that are advising OG and assisting behind the scenes on things for us that don't even play as much time in game because they're helping with all the various things which I think every group has those people um I think that you know, it's really great to see people that are willing to put in that much time and effort for something that's a that's a game. It's supposed to be just this fun little side thing that everybody just gets to enjoy and take some stress off your day. But there's a lot of people that make this amazing community of Eve Echoes a thing uh, that put in a tremendous amount of work, and not just in OG, but all over the community. So, you know, just, a, I guess, a general shout out to having one of the most engaged uh, communities that I've ever been a part of. I don't know any other game that uh, that I'm I've gotten to know as many people as I've been able to as I have in Echoes. So, yeah, and I'll second and that. diverse people. I mean, all over the world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, even on Xbox, I've never met as many people as I have just in my corp alone. Let alone yeah. people from different alliances, different corporations, and all that. So. Uh, yeah, it's Crazy. hilarious. Every once in a while, we had a. I just want to share one funny thing for that of meeting people. Is I had we had a um, couple guys that were streaming their webcams in one of our OG servers the other night, and it must have been like I'm in Eastern Time, and it must have been midnight or something. And we were in there, and everybody's just like, "Oh yeah, it's you know whatever the temperature was in the in the different places that they lived around the world," and. Um, one of the guys that just popped up with his webcam and he was on the beach in the middle of the day, like a beautiful tropical beach in a, in a hammock, just like swaying back and forth and showing us the beach. And it was, it was, you know, dark or middle of the night for most of the other you know people in the U S and EU and all that. But he was in one of the uh, like Asian Pacific countries and everything. And it was just beautiful. But I mean, you got people all over the world that are able to, you know, enjoy this game together so that's pretty cool yeah he's over there tipping back uh, at bora bora playing this game i know right i was so jealous i'm like you're sitting on the beach in a hammock playing echoes and it's the middle of the night for me <laughs> amazing all right well sandman it was a pleasure talking with you sir and uh i i hope to see you around we'll we'll see how uh hey yeah We'll see how everything unfolds in the in the future here with all these wars going on, right? Yeah, yeah. Same to you, and thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Like I said, I, I appreciate I appreciate the podcast in general. I, I like being able to hear different people's perspectives and stuff. So when you invited me on, I was I was happy to come on. So thank you. <laughs> I was excited to have you on as well. Cool, awesome. Hey, you fly safe out there. All right, you too, buddy. Well, that wraps it up for this week. If you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. I do have a YouTube channel. Like and subscribe that for future videos. And if you would like to sponsor the show, please reach out to me on Discord. Being a sponsor gets your corporation ad out there for listeners of the show who may be looking to join a corp. Also, if you wish, please join my Discord. That is where I do my roundtable talks when I do do them. I post all of my episodes there. I have a guest list shown, and you can also 
post your very own corp ad. I'll leave that link to this Discord in the description. And yes, the shoutouts to our other content creators. So if you want even more Eve Echoes news and a deeper dive into what's going on with the galaxy, check out Damon Zell over on YouTube and his show, Echoes from the Front. That's where he goes over game announcements, patch notes, alliance drama, battles, and much more. I also want to give a shout out to Sky News, the premier Russian news outlet. If you haven't checked out their channel, go check it out on YouTube. Yes, it's all spoken in Russian, but they do include English subtitles in their videos. They also have a blog in which the text can be translated to your preferred language. Go check out Let's Play the Game at, over at Sky News. So thank you everybody for listening. Take care, fly dangerously, and I shall see you next week. Oh, no.